1973, a group of indigenous artists formed a collective. The press called them the Indian Group of Seven. Their goal? To raise the profile of indigenous art. It was all or nothing. We're representing all our people. And create a permanent space in galleries for indigenous artists in Canada and around the world. That was really a rock star moment for me. I'm Soleil Lunier, and this is Among Equals, the history and legacy of the professional native Indian artists, Inc. Listen wherever podcasts are heard. Art Slice is a different dive into art history. We goof around, we curse, you learn from it, but don't expect a typical lecture. You're welcome. From Hello, gentle ear buddy. Welcome to Second Slice, a second serving of art history, a more relaxed serving of art history. A supposedly less work for us to do serving of art history, unless, Stephanie, you make me watch the 1958 hit film The Naked Maha, a very very fast and loose account of Goya's life. Paco. Let me say, there is a thick... There is a thick and and slimy Hollywood sheen on this that that, that is fucking with my brain as we also write Goya 2. Right, right. (laughs) Um, So this is ostensibly a film on the Majos and Majas that Goya was painting, which Mm. we are getting into today. I am Stephanie Duenas. Oh, I'm, I'm Russell Shoemaker. And as a reminder, listeners slash watchers, you can you can be a watcher. You don't have to just be a listener. We are also on YouTube now. And even though this is a, a Patreon episode, I think we're going to release it to the public. So you can see our, our beautiful faces, our beautiful faces that we've we've powdered to. Not quite the Hollywood slimy sheen. <laughs> So first, we are going to repaint you a picture, okay? Mm. A little refreshener Mm. from our previous episode on Goya. (laughs) By the mid-18th century, Spain had acquired a sort of reputation of backwards Eurobilliness. Yeah, some some Eurobilly Spanish pride, some uh, backwards Spanish (laughs) bathtub sangria. I forget what I said a few (laughs) days ago. That is until King Carlos III took reign in 1759, (laughs) So suddenly, Spain was seen as this exotic and desirable place by their French neighbors, Mm. thus triggering a mass wave of French immigration to Eurobilly Spain. Mm. Their Frenchness and Enlightenment ideals caused many Spaniards, mostly upper class, to become afrancesados. That is, except for the lower working classes, who, much to the government's chagrin, Double down on their Eurobilliness and adopted a more differentiating, redefining look, mm. aka the Maho Mahomes aesthetic. Men wore soft-brimmed hats. They were bucket hats, yeah. I mean, according to Russell, they looked like bucket hats. Yeah. There were other hat options. There was a three-cornered hat. There was also a chambergo hat. Yeah, the uh, cham- chambergo hat is, uh, I think, what you would call a wanderer hat, according to if you believe REI. Which I do. I believe REI. A wanderlust yeah. hat? Wanderer. Okay. Wanderer. We're not. Which keeps the rays out of your face and the ticks out of your hair. 
and, and they were military hats. So you could see this as a, a doubling down of that Spanish Eurobilly pride. Mm. Okay. The Majos also wore neckerchiefs, vests, sashes. Mm. They wore breeches over stockings, all tucked into some fancy ass buckled shoes. Okay. Okay. And then they wore long capes often mm. flung across the shoulder. Very, very dramatic. Very uh, mysterioso. See, see. And any of these items. <laughs> could Actually, be... this guy looks a little bit like, is it Tets- Tetsuo from Galaxy Express 999? I don't. Remember. What was the kid's name? I don't. Tetsuo might be from oh. Akira. My anime knowledge is very limited. It's getting mixed up. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Any of these items that I just described could be adorned, embellished, embroidered with flare like metallic thread or buttons. Yeah. I mean, they're very bright. They're very flamboyant. They're very fine. Mm-hmm. Flamboyant. Yeah. yeah. These, are, these are men. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate this. I yeah. appreciate this because the men in our society shove that need to be flamboyant <laughs> down. Yeah. And it just kind of like seeps from their soul into their, their lifted pickup trucks. Oh my God, yes, they do. Just makes them grow yes, taller and wider. Oh, God. Yes. And louder. And louder and smellier. And they rumble so much, it uh, it rumbles the uh, the tears of inadequacies <laughs> off their faces. It rumbles the tears yeah. out, of their, <laughs> out of their eyeballs. I love that. <laughs> yes, that is that is apt. That's, that's all to say they are the real American Majos. Majas, on the other hand, wore a tight bodice that mm. cinched the waist. They mm-hmm. wore a top petticoat or a basquinha over a skirt that could be as high as mid-calf, mm. as well as a little jacket. Okay. Okay. And all of these were preferably in fine silk and lace if they could afford them. The Mahas preferred to, they, ha- they, they had a preferred posture. Mm. Okay. They preferred to have arched backs, hand on the hip, gesturing passionately whilst talking or mm. even slapping someone. Oh, okay. They crossed a certain line. It was said... It was said that to be an object of a Maha's passion was a compliment. It, sla- it slaps to be slapped. <laughs> now, something we didn't get into in Goya Part 1 was the Maho and Maho's hair. All right, so both men and women left their hair unpowdered. Right, so they invited the lice in because I think the powdering was to keep the lice out. Yes, it was also a status thing because remember the French okay. were doing this as well right. as the Afrancesados. But, but also to keep the lice out. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> The Majos and Majas also embraced a hairnet, the hairnet. Okay. But it's not like your regular old mesh situation. Okay, theirs looks to be more opaque and like it's made of some silky sort of material. Okay, okay. So that would maybe keep the lice out or keep the lice that were in there a little bit more comfortable with the silk. <laughs> Slipping inside yeah. it. So their mesh hairnet would kind of hang like a grocery plastic bag. I don't know how else to describe you, it. Okay, okay. <laughs> The way it would hang, it looks so, to me. It looks like a like a like a like a sort of half filled grocery bag okay. to me. Okay, I'm, right. I'm, I'm picturing a, a grocery bag, a plastic grocery bag filled with wet pasta. <laughs> My wet pasta. I don't know. It just seems like that would be hair. Well, Closest approximation to hair. Okay, wet noodles. <laughs> no, so what I bet. Okay, anyway. Mahos would wear the hairnets under their hats, and Mahas, Mahas, Mahas would wear their <laughs> uh, would wear theirs under their mantillas, okay. which basically is a veil of sorts. Mm, all right, a lacy veil. Yes. Yeah. So this hairnet is another connection to those little Mahomies. Yeah, the little Mahomies. Homies, right. Yeah. <laughs> Hairnets were also really popular with cholos in the eighties and nineties. Apparently, that trend started with men trying to train their hair to stay slicked back. 
That was okay. the style. I just use a ball cap because I have very unruly hair. Does it work all the time? Yeah, it actually does. And if it doesn't work, then you have a hat on. <laughs> maybe, maybe it just became a staple for some. And they're like, you know what? We're just gonna, we're just, it's gonna be, it became a look. Mm-hmm. All right. So back to the Mantillas. All right. So they first made their appearance towards the end of the 16th century in southern Spain, where it gets caliente, mm. right? So this, yeah, exactly. So this helped to shade their face from the sun, okay. but also to keep their hair away from their sweaty faces. Uh-huh. And also yeah. it creates a nice cast shadow on their faces with the nice lace pattern. Sure does. Yeah. Sure does. I like that. Very alluring. Very mysterious. The mantillas that the Mahas wore were likely inspired by their very Catholic Spanish country, mm-hmm. because going even further back, it may have originated during Moorish rule, Moorish, yeah. where women <laughs> often wore mantles. Okay. Women traditionally wore mantillas to church for modesty, and this idea spread to not just throughout Spain, but also to the Spanish Latin American colonies as well. Like my grandma, who's from Mexico, every Sunday she'd be wearing a mantilla, but like mm-hmm. a an opaque cotton one. It wasn't fancy, but you would never catch her at mass without one on her cabeza. So one such Spanish colony, Costa Rica, in the 19th century mandated that all mantillas worn to mass must be opaque and not made of transparent lace. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because the the God juice in your brain is going to seep out of those tiny tiny little lace holes. It's a little bit distracting. That's just how fabric works, Stephanie. It's fabric and it's a bit distracting. You make it sound like they're coming down hard on these people's fashion choices, but it's really just trying to keep the God juice in. Uh, Okay. I don't know about that. Well, some women... And by God, juice, I am picturing like Slimer from uh, the Ghostbusters. Green Slime? Yeah. Or from like the 90s Ninja Turtles toys. Ladies, ladies, contain your juices, please. please. (laughs) Turtles and ladies, please keep your juices contained. Your green juices contained. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, Turtles, Slimers, and ladies. I'm trying to be... I'm trying to hit all the demographics Gotcha. Here. Right. All right. So some women <laughs> said no. And they continued to wear their God juice exposing lace mantillas. Yeah. <laughs> Letting your God juice flow. The, yeah. They yeah. were standing up for their rights. Right. Thus, they were excommunicated. <laughs> okay. So when you're excommunicated, mm-hmm. it means that you're banned from the church. Okay. So yeah. you're just basically you're freeing up a Saturday and Sunday. Okay. Basically. Yes. Yeah. The mantilla became so ingrained in Catholic culture that you started to see it adorning religious sculptures. One such being the lavishly adorned wooden Virgen de la Esperanza de Macarena de Sevilla. Or the Virgin of Hope of Macarena of Seville. (laughs) Yeah. Like the song, Hey Virgin of Hope of Macarena. Hey Macarena. No. No. No relation. Hey Virgin of Hope of Macarena. Um, no, the the artists were actually flamenco artists from Spain, okay. but that's it. So yes, you said no, but you. It doesn't yes. have anything. Well, but it has nothing to do with the Virgin. Okay. You don't know what inspires certain things, like all sorts of influence. We know as artists, Stephanie, all sorts of influences kind of like percolate in your body, and sometimes you don't know where it's coming from exactly. Okay. They mix True. and match, they blend okay. together, and they become the art that you you put out into the world. True. All right, let me rephrase that. So you that. say, no, I say probably, maybe, potentially. And I say possibly. Okay. Agreed. All right. The limited documentation of this hit song from the mid-90s w- was kind of available. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. So there are so many versions of the Virgin Mary, mm. right? Baby J's mom. Mm. And they all have their own style. And this Virgin of Hope of Macarena is the... Se- 
sorry, is the Seville flavor of the Virgin Mary. (laughs) Hard not to do. So she has this gigantic, reflective, golden star-studded tiara and lace mantilla. Yeah, they kind of it's like a golden burst of gold, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> but it, it looks like it has those like bouncy springs. Like I can imagine this kind of wiggling in the wiggling. It, Yeah, wiggling. Uh, and she's oval shaped like that painting The Giantess by Lenora Carrington LC. It's like a round train. Right. And and <laughs> this is a part of art history I don't know a lot about, but I love her little wooden Pinocchio face. You know, <laughs> oh she has these like carved in like anime tears all over her face. I don't know. I, I feel a lot of empathy for this Mary. It's very emotive. It's like, why are you crying, little Pinocchio lady? <laughs> I think that's the point. I think she's meant to draw that sort of emotion out of you. Okay. She's under the umbrella of Our Lady of Sorrows. So they usually are teary. The carved eyebrows with the emotive eyes. The eyes are too big. It's like, did a really good job. Pulls, yeah, pulls. And I love this shit, but can't get too much into it. (laughs) They will sometimes take her out for a parade for a procession in her own little, like, canopy (laughs) with, like, giant candles. Totally not. Why did they put her on wheels? It's part of like the suffering okay. that you devote to God. So okay. you, there's pallbearers for the. Anyway, we might show you a picture. We need, to, we need to travel. Listeners, if you'd like to travel with us, if you want to come see this with us one day, uh, artslicepod.com slash travel. Fill out the yes. survey, even if you can't do it this year or next year. Go ahead and do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. We want to know. It's two minutes. Two minutes of your life. <laughs> maybe less. Maybe less. Maybe less if you're quick. So this flavor of Mary has very Maho Maha esque patrons which include the Spanish Romani, mm. bullfighters, tailors, embroiderers, and liver donors. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Not random. That's very, that's very nice of you because you only have one of those. You get a little liver tattoo so yeah. they know. <laughs> okay. Around the 19th century, the mantilla look began to evolve. Okay. A peineta was added. Basically, a large comb with, like, teeth. And you put it on your cabeza, you uh-huh. secure it on your cabeza, and that would hold up your mantilla. Yeah. All right. So a little bit like Elaine Bennis. Like yes. Elaine early, yeah, first couple seasons of Seinfeld Elaine Bennis yes. hair. Yes. But so lace. it adds the illusion of extra height, but it also holds your hair in place. Mm. So yeah, Elaine Bennis was inspired by Victorian poofy hair. Mm-hmm. So yes, height. And then if you're be- <laughs> if you're behind one of these mahas, you see the world through lace. Down in front. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't want to be that person. But actually, you could find yourself behind one of these at any occasion because okay. women of all statuses still wear mantillas mm. with or without the peineta, though. Okay. So if you got lucky, it would be without. So they are reserved for special events like holidays, mm. bullfights, or weddings. Okay. All right. You probably didn't want to sit behind one of these. Mm. But I have a little video. I have a little video. <laughs> oh, my God. These are so tall. Why? They, it's almost it's like almost ridiculous do they all uh do all the mahos now drive around in open air cars like this no okay that's only the fancy people oh it's a i'm sorry it's a horse <laughs> it's a oh it's a it's a, it's a carriage okay. right they're just kind of flapping in the wind now this they is, do yeah. they flap gracefully yeah well <laughs> i think it's graceful do you think a strong gust of wind sometimes like gives them neck issues no like they're very light, unless you get caught on something. Then I you're mean, um, <laughs> we have okay. So there's, there's two very famous women. Okay, we have okay. Jackie Kennedy, oh. and then next to her is a certain fuchi faced individual. All right, giving a stink eye to some bullfighter. Okay, yes, this is Sevilla in the late '60s. That's Jackie Kennedy sitting in the open carriage. Okay, yes. you could not pay me enough <laughs> to sit in an open carriage with Jackie Kennedy. Oh no. I wonder why. Yeah. (laughs) 
And uh, all right, so let's talk about her bloodstained mantilla. Sorry. All right. So who is this Fuji faced individual that I mentioned? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 All right. It's it's John F. Kennedy Jr. He's in disguise. QAnon. Never mind. Okay. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right. Fuji face. She is Maria del Rosario Cayetana Alfonsa Victoria Eugenia Francisca Fitzjames Stewart. (laughs) Sylvia. Silva, <laughs> a.k.a. Uh, the 18th Duchess of Alba. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> that one's a little easier to say. <laughs> Duchess of Alba. Yeah. yeah. So she held the Guinness World Record as the most titled aristocrat okay. ever. Okay. Well, if we learned Bingo. anything from that uh, H-bomber guy video, you can just kind of pay for those records. So they don't really check. They just they just take the check. <laughs> yeah, if you yeah, if you got the yeah. money, they don't really question it. So she did own at least 20 castles and mm. nine palaces and also one of the most important art collections in the country. Okay. She was known as a rebel duchess mm. who danced flamenco and was often on tabloid covers for a couple of reasons. Yeah. So she she dressed however she wanted. Um some say eccentric, but really she was just dressing however she yeah. wanted, but also towards the end of her life, she had an immense amount of plastic surgery. Yeah, we're kind of we're going for a, a post-human look here. <laughs> it's it, yeah. look, there's it's fine if you do you do you. Yeah, it is on par with the guy who's like slowly turning himself into one of the gargoyles from Gargoyles, the animated series. You know that guy? <laughs> no. Okay. Probably horrifying. Yeah, it's um, not. It's, it's the, yeah. It's it's uh, interesting. It's interesting. But anyway, like, I mean, sure. Like, do, do, like I said, do you, but also this seems aggressive and maybe is a good case for wealth redistribution. Agreed. Maybe you don't need that many plastic surgeries. Maybe that could go towards a road or healthcare. Good point. Yeah. Good point. So why? Why are we talking about the 18th Duchess of Alba? Mm. You might be wondering, ear buddies. Mm. Is it because her childhood portrait was the first painting to possibly feature the likeness of Mickey Mouse beating Andy Warhol out by 50 years. That's an early Mickey. That's a Mickey hasn't quite found his his, his look yet. Pre-vintage. The ears are a little <laughs> the ears are a little too small. They are. Face is a little too long. Honestly, it looks a little bit too much like a mouse. He has yeah, he, well, he has like whites in his eyes. Yeah. This is a very weird painting. But so, no, it's not because of That's this his long-lost buddy from <laughs> the Disney universe. Watch that be like an early version of Pluto. <laughs> Pluto the was a wiener dog and then turned into <laughs> not a wiener dog. All right. So, no, it's not because of any Mickey of these his reasons. friend, the photorealistic dog. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, it's cute. All right. All right. So, just a mere five duchesses prior, the 13th Duchess of Alba was the subject of at least two Goya portraits who art historians have debated could potentially be, but likely is not, the infamous model for two others. Do you admit it or not? Yes. So she was a lady in the castles and a maha in the streets. We have the white Ducas of Alba <laughs> featuring Miss Ducas in a high class white dress, pointing stage right to Goya's signature in the sand. A little bit weird, a little bit weird. It must be a secret. I want to shout it to the whole world. And the dark world mirror portrait, the black Ducas, the more risque of the two. Featuring Miss Dukas in a lacy black maha uh, dress, garb, whatever, mm-hmm. pointing stage center where it says upside down to us, the viewers, solo Goya. So, of course, there's much speculation that they were lovers, that they were right. 
maybe having an affair because Goya was married. And, you know, if we believe the uh, the hunky uh, Goya, the not at all. <laughs> I mean, OK, let's just say by, by the by Goya self-portraits, he's a little he's a little dumpy. OK, I'm not fat shaming, but he was not the hunk. He was not the hunk in this film. No, yeah. no, he wasn't. Plus, who are we to judge like cultural norms? Like maybe that just means he's got a lot of tapas. He's got tapa cash. <laughs> He can feed his family tapas. He was a regular at the tapa cart. Yeah. The tapa. It's, allure, it's alluring. The tapa Look at how many tapas he can afford. Yo, I will say this: if you have too many tapas, you're gonna you're gonna gain some weight. Okay, yeah. that's like um, I had too many tapas, and they serve it with like um, I don't know what size, a little thing of beer. Mm. So you always have your tapas with some beer, and it's just mm. like that's just a ripe combo. Yeah, and then you can walk it off because you can drink in the street anyway. So the 13th... Also, though, can I just say, if he looks like he's a, a, a tapa connoisseur, <laughs> he's the one you go to if you're new in town. He knows the best yeah. tapa spots. <laughs> so the 13th Duchess of Alba is proof that the original Maho Street style became so popular that it was embraced by not only the lower class Mahos, mm-hmm. but also the edgier upper crustiers who felt left out. The mysterious style, the mysterious Maho style, was filled with hats and mantillas that could obscure a face, you mm. know, a famous face. Under that lacy shadow. Exactly. Yeah. Mysterious. Yeah. So <laughs> it meant that nobles could moonlight as Mahos on the down low okay. without repercussion. The Maho train had left the station. So foreigners began to recognize this look okay. as uniquely Spanish. Right. And it was sexy. Mm. All right. And it had spread to the entertainment sector. So bullfighters, 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 stage actors, dancers, they were frightened. Dancers, I don't know, street entertainers, people juggling. Mm -hmm. They were all dressed in the Maho style. And some, I guess if they were lucky, I don't know, they would be sponsored by wealthy admirers. (laughs) So they would deck out the Mahos or Mahas in Mm. the most luxurious fabrics because, you know, the duchesses could afford them. And it kind of became like a little competition. It also the keeps nobles. them on their toes because with the Maho style being so anonymous, anybody could be a potential sponsor. So you're you're always right. performing at your best, is what I'm saying. Oh, possibly. Because who know possibly. who's that? Who's that girl in the in the lacy mantilla? You know, is it the Duches? No. <laughs> I bet they knew. I bet mm. they knew who was who, but they didn't say anything. They're like, like they're like really paying attention to who's eating their tapas very nobly, prestigiously. With the pinky out. Yeah, with the what? pinky out. Oh. <laughs> dabbing dabbing the grease mm. <laughs> with a, I don't know, a the fine linen. Your neckerchief also doubles as a tapa. Did a gold-plated <laughs> credit card fall out of their pocket when they pulled out their fine designer napkin? Designer napkin. <laughs> to, to wipe off the uh, hot wings grease off your face. <laughs> I love that. Or the churro dust. They have right. churros in Spain, okay. actually. Yeah. So so one such sponsored stage Maha may have been one named La Caramba. I Caramba. Yes, exactly. So her name was actually Maria Antonia Fernandez, whose Andalusian singing style and fashion would influence the flamenco stereotype into the next century. Okay. A huge part of her legacy was the word caramba. Uh, uh, no te sotes hombre. No te sotes hombre. No te sotes hombre. Right. So, caramba is an Andalusian exclamation, Mm. but because of her celebrity influence, it also became a part of Castilian Spanish and flamenco slang. Yeah. Y y tambien Bart. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. How am I doing with my Spanish? Y también, Bart. Yeah. You're getting better. Okay. You're getting better. All right. So, so seven years into King Carlos III's reign, he's trying to implement all of these changes. He's doing some good, but mm-hmm. it's not going great. Bread prices are high and the majos and majas are now being scrutinized for their clothing. Okay. Supposedly, it was dangerous to public health. Okay. To industry and to morals. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of lice in there. But uh, it does sound like (laughs) a very clever diversion. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not a corporation trying to milk every dollar out of you, trying to milk all your tapas away. That's a trans person (laughs) trying to unionize in your restroom. Right. So, supposedly, a maho could easily (laughs) steal a loaf of bread in their sash or cape because there was just so much fabric. Yeah, and some union pamphlets. Anyway, steal some eggs, too. Seriously, fucking all steal of it, it, steal everything. In this case, Leopoldo de Gregorio, who was the first Marquess of Esquilache, he was originally from Sicily. Mm. Everybody hated him. So he was likely part of King Carlos III's imported entourage. Yeah, the, yes, the Plurimos, yeah. Correct. And then in March of 1766, he did the unthinkable. He banned the Maho, Maho, hats and cloak. Why are you going to do? I mean, you know they like to slap. That's just asking for it. <laughs> Their costume slaps and yeah. they slap. <laughs> So the new policy did not immediately catch the attention of the people because, you know, they were so worried about the ever rising prices of food, which Mr. Leopoldo de Gregorio was partially to blame for because he liberalized the grain trade, meaning that they could all charge more. Uh, Oh, this, Took away the restrictions so the money would trickle down. This is probably the beginning of that. Yes. So after somebody realized the policy word got around and the Mahos were like, this is bullshit. And they mm. continued to wear their clothes. Mm. Right. And so they uh, they tipped their 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 bucket hats and <laughs> slapped a few people very passionately and said, good day. Good day. So after two weeks of arrests and forcible repression mm. of the Maho garb, a violent mob took place and the mob Fuck shit up. Okay. I mean, they fucked shit up. They really hated this man. Okay. They really hated him. Yeah. All right. So King Carlos III was like, oh shit, I got to skip town. Okay. And he did. And so did <laughs> Leopoldo de Gregorio, the Marquess, because they were fucking shit up. Okay. Yeah. So they had to bounce from Madrid proper. He's hip. He's cool. He's bouncing. He's bouncing. He's like, he's. Um, so they tore up the Marquis's house, the Marquess's okay. house. They destroyed many of the street lamps that mm-hmm. had been recently installed. Yeah. Installed to enlightenment the streets. <laughs> exactly. And King Carlos III, being cool, hip, and enlightened, mm-hmm. and bouncing. he did bounce. Yes. Yeah. He did meet some of the rioters' demands, one of which was to fire the Marquess and send his ass back to Italy. He did that. That's a big deal. He wasn't the only one, though, that was kicked out. The Jesuit order, who functioned under the R.C. Squared umbrella, were already disliked by King Carlos III. They were already on thin ice. And then King Carlos III's advisors were like, you know, we think the Jesuits had something to do with this riot. They incited the riots. They d- yeah. definitely. And I, proof for, I don't know if they had proof or not, but he banned their asses as well. Okay. And not just from Spain, but also the colonies, which is like all over the world. So eventually, they did talk the Majos into trading their long capes for shorter French-style jackets. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine the long capes were the real culprits of any unsanitariness. If they're briskly and dramatically prancing along the streets of Spain, they're probably kicking up some dust. Feces, a lot of horses back then. Right, and they actually were paving the streets at this time. So there probably were still a lot of dirt roads, but a lot of dirt. So totally. So not just their capes, their hats also were now shorter brimmed. So their faces weren't totally obscured. But be assured, the spiciness of the Maho style lived on. Okay. But what about Goya? Yeah, where where is is Goya? And all of this. Donde esta Goya? Is he having a knife fight? (laughs) 
He might be. Oh my gosh. He might be. He might be. So there is an early painting by Goya documenting the riots. It is attributed to him and it's called El Motin de Esquilache. So the the Muni of Esquilache. It was last exhibited with another painting called The Expulsion of the Jesuits by Goya as well. So on theme. Yes. So this was in 1925 that they were last exhibited and they haven't been seen in public. They're in some private French collection. Which I'm thinking about it, that was almost 100 years ago. Right. They're so, probably in some vault yeah. somewhere. Or just some, a lot of baguettes. Buried under baguettes. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Oh, he is so sorry. So the Majos were still loved or hated, depending on who you asked, in Spanish society, even after King Carlos III passed away. Mm. So with all this in mind, let's move on to the infamous Maja paintings. So like the two Duchess the Duchess's paintings, we have two <laughs> sister portraits, each of a reclining Maha. They are essentially the same painting. They are the same woman, both painted by Goya between 1795 and 1800. And both are three foot-ish by six-ish feet. Uh, so almost life-size, like kind of kind of like a fat head sticker, Stephanie. If you know about those, yeah, uh, but like counts. like a <laughs> but like a dirty lenticular fat head sticker because one is closed. <laughs> And the other is completely nude. Okay. And if you look back and forth, it kind of recreates that lenticular thing you do. That's kind of awesome, yeah. actually. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So these were very likely commissioned <laughs> by Prime Minister Manuel de Godoy. All right, so here we have a portrait of him by Subaru. <laughs> Big arrogance energy from this guy. He just looks like a fuckboy. Yeah, yeah. he does look like a fuckboy who's yeah. uh, fil- filled with frijoles. Go- Goya frijoles. Yeah. Frijoles, yes. He's young, dumb, and full of frijoles. Yes. Um, <laughs> Godoy is a huge part of the regime change we will visit in the upcoming part two of Goya, but he's not a central figure. So if you want to look into him, we're probably not going to cover him much after this. Goya and Godoy were friends, but... I like to think they were frenemies because he stood for shit that Goya was against. Well, I mean, he's, he's his boss, right? If you think about it. So Goya has yeah. to like politely listen to him talk about Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I could see Godoy approaching Goya like, yo, cuz, you paint some pretty pics. How about a, how about a little commiz? A little commiz on the DL for my nudes collection. Oh, wait, a nudes got a, collection. Got a whole room full of them. Okay. No one will ever find out because I'm not a narc. He said. I'm, f- I'm filled with free whole days, but I'm no narc. All right. Yeah. Stephanie, this is not what happened, though, in the uh, Naked Maha movie from 1958. I would like to see the painting again. So the movie is not 100% accurate, like, yeah. at all. So um, It's accurate to me. Foreshadowing. Right. I want it near me. Please bring it okay. to me. Um, but I also don't see how Goya could have refused a royal commission. This was technically right. a royal commission. Right. Clandestine or not. Okay. So Goya paints a nude reclining on a mess of frilly lace and silk pillows and mm. other warm bone white linens. Just like his portraiture work, he really excels at painting intricately woven fabrics. Mm-hmm. Underneath all of that is this this velvety Veronese and Viridian green couch. Just a lush, cha- is it chaise lounge? The extended chaise lounge right, <laughs> looking thing. Throwback to our first color episode there. Right. Viridian uh, couch. No, no, it's the Thalo couch. 
I, I would pose nude for Goya if I could take a nap <laughs> on this couch. It looks very comfortable. Then behind her is this terra verte wall, mm. which is this muddy olive color that is, I, I keep using the word warm, mm-hmm. but it's all illuminated by this warm, almost candlelit light. That's Spanish sunshine. sunshine. Spanish sunshine. sunshine. Spanish sunshine. Spanish sunshine. Sunshine. Yeah. That's a mouthful. Or it's just like a topic grill in the room. Uh, the coolest color in the whole composition is that couch. So everything else is very warm. Mm-hmm. This woman, she could be any woman mm-hmm. without any clothes on. We know she's a Maha, but she's missing the clothes that would make her stand out as a Maha. Mm-hmm. She's beautiful, but she's not depicted as this infallible goddess like Botticelli's Venus. Okay. She's Valeria from down the street who sells seashells by the seashore. She's real. She He, like, painted the girl next door, right, essentially. Right. It's also implied that she is lower class because she's a Maha, mm. right? So her gaze is, like, sly and confrontational. You also get a full frontal of her body. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like we see her pubic hair, which Botticelli's Venus covers in shame with her long locks. Right? <laughs> long locks. So she's already more earthly. She's already more natural. Mm-hmm. <laughs> natural. Yes. Natural. 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 Yeah. Also, she could just be looking at the top of the machine. So now it's a machine. <laughs> it's, yeah. Top right. of Goy is keeping on a plate over, but next to his, his palate. That's hilarious. Don't mix them. Just keep. <laughs> So let's contrast that composition with the PG-13 version, La okay. Maja Vestida. Yeah, the other side of the ventricular card. Sorry. Yes, yes. So it's clear from her relaxed Maha apparel that she is indeed Valeria and not mm. Venus. She's still bold. She's still sultry. Mm. She has clothes on. Mm. But she is undressing you with her ojos, mm-hmm. okay, which... What she's wearing could actually be considered like cozy Maha wear because mm-hmm. it looks like she's taken off her mantilla and like her petticoat. Mm-hmm. But she is undressing you with her ojos. Or she's looking at the plate of tapas. Yeah, that that's maybe what that is. She does look a little um, hungry. A little hungry? Yeah. <laughs> hungry eyes. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So what she's wearing could also be considered like cozy, maybe casual mm-hmm. Maha wear okay. because she's taken off her mantilla. She is wearing a petticoat. Yeah, I also don't see a hairnet. Her hair is right. free, so mm-hmm. hope it's worth the lice. Um, and yeah, she's still wearing a little jacket. Um, mm-hmm. It's this ornate, muddy saffron orange and black with white, thin, embroidered fabric. Mm-hmm. It's very beautiful. Yes. Some pointy ochre shoes mm-hmm. and a bone white silk dress that is the same color as the silk sheets and pillowcases that she is lying upon. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about all this fabric. I think it. I think it's too, too much, much fabric. fabric, fabric. Now. Yeah, I'm okay. getting a little like sensory. Silk on silk. Silk on silk is just like so slippery. Yeah. Like, and then just like it, the sensation of it rubbing together. Like, I don't. It must have been hard to hold that pose, silk on silk. She, <laughs> she slowly <laughs> slid. Yes. <laughs> Going had yes. to like push her back up. <laughs> hold the Maha like to the position where he needed her to be. <laughs> While this painting is also warm, you don't get that warm glow like you do in the Naked Maha. Like it's, I'm not even talking about the vast swath of nude flesh. Uh, the background wall and couch are also warmly lit. He really nails the frilly coat she's wearing, mm-hmm. but the pillows, the couch, the silk seem seem a little bit more rushed. Like this whole composition seems a little bit rushed. The doy was like, well, I think I think I'm a nudes. No, 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 no. I think Goya was a little bit more dialed in to the nude Maha. Yeah. I told you it's not done yet, Godoy. My nudes. Could be two, three, four, maybe five years before I finish. It takes a lot of time. I'm saying he wants it around. I know. Like, okay. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. I got it. So, ¿Quién es esa Maha? Who is that girl? Who is that girl? Nobody knows. Some say it was Godoy's young mistress, Pepita Tudo. Do you see a resemblance? We have a little portrait here. Um, yeah. By 
not Goya. Yeah, what is <laughs> what is what is going on with her body? It's migrating away from her yeah, body. Her arms are not in the right place. No. Shoulders <laughs> uh not in the right place. She's like a doll with like the the ball joint yeah. arms. <laughs> like a bootleg doll. <laughs> yeah. They bootlegged the doll's head, but then had to kind of rush the body sort of situation. Or you had to paint her in like yeah. different sessions. Yeah. yeah her body's a composite. It's a composite. Composite. Yeah. Okay. So like we alluded to earlier, some say that she could be the Duchess of Alba, the mm-hmm. 13th Duchess of Alba. Um, the Sologoya inscription in the Black Maha painting incited all sorts of steamy rumors of that affair between them. I thought it was supposed to be a secret. I want to shout it to the whole world. But there is no proof that this affair ever happened. Mm. There is proof that Goya was infatuated with her, but was it reciprocated? We don't know. I mean, I can see why historians thought that this was the Duchess of Alba. Like, I also mm. would like this to be true. Like, there, there's a symmetry between the white and the black duchesses, duchesses, that matches up nicely with the symmetry of the, the clothed and uh, des, desnuda mahas. Okay. Good job. I mean, they seem like they're meant to be together thematically. Yes. Yes, but also from an artist standpoint, like, I don't know, sometimes you might find yourself doodling mindlessly and you end up drawing the same looking people. Or maybe you just like to make works in two parts, too. Like, it could be that as well. That, too. That, too. Because, and I'm saying that you end up doodling the same looking people because I I think personally what it is is a composite of several different models. Mm -hmm. I think that's what is more likely because a lot of painters did that back in the day. I feel that, like, this is, the Maha's not, they're not entirely accurate paintings either. Mm -hmm. Her head sinks into her chest in kind of a weird way. Mm -hmm. They're they're just like the other portrait of Pepita. There are segmented parts of her body that look accurate but kind of, like, stitched together in places where they don't quite align. Her breasts Mm. kind of... They don't sit in a natural way. I'm going to say that. Like, they, yeah, they don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, um, yeah. Which makes me wonder. Moving kind of up near the shoulder area, which is strange. Uh, but Goya's work, it's never been entirely accurate, thankfully. I mean, I, I think that's why it's so good. He's not a Bernini. I wouldn't mm-hmm. want him to be a Bernini. Right. It would be really boring if we were just looking at a hyper-realistic, like, over-the-top, like, what do we say, more, like, like Dragon Ball Z, Marvel Cinematic oh Universe God, type no. character. No, thank you. No, thank because, you. Yeah, because imperfections are more realistic than perfections. That is how we experience the world every mm-hmm. day. Imperfect mm-hmm. is the reality. Right, right. And if you look at this painting now, like today, you're like, what's the big deal? Right. What's the big deal? Especially when you look at the paintings to come, like the the Grand Odalisque mm-hmm. or Olympia. Mm-hmm. Uh, which yeah. are just as confronta- more confrontational in some ways, more right. risque in some ways. Right. This painting on its own, though, was scandalous and it was groundbreaking. Mm. And I think it's all due to the gaze, right? Yeah. She isn't shy of who she is right. at all. Like she's owning her identity, whoever she might be mm-hmm. at this point in her life. Yeah. I mean, and the Majos fought for their heritage mm-hmm. while their country was going through all these changes. So, you know, that boldness really shines through. Like, why would she be any different? Also, right. it's hot in Spain. So oh, you might want to take off your clothes. You might want to take off your Don't clothes. And lay on a silk sheet. All right. So it's not known if the two works, the mm-hmm. Maja Desnuda, Maja de Vestida, were intended to be hung together. Um, there's an early account describing the clothed Maha being placed in front of the nude Maha. Mm-hmm. And apparently you could just pull a cord. <laughs> God. And uh, it would lift up the clothes one. It would reveal the this oh that one, the, God, the nude he's one. So horny and full of free um, Yeah, I'm. I'm imagining this was in the secret collection oh, of Godoy's. Yeah, um, but also not 
not to ruin the general okay. story, but the French eventually do gain control of Spain. Mm. They reinstate the RC squared, which mm-hmm. had lost power during King Carlos III's reign. Right. In 1808, the Spanish Inquisition was sicked upon Goidoy. Goidoy, yeah. (laughs) They found the stash, and he was forced to reveal the artist behind all the confiscated works. Mm. Goy was not the only one among them. I thought he was a no-narc. But he is a little bitch. Um, (laughs) I mean, yeah, he was a narc. So Goya was charged for moral depravity. And, Uh of course, the Inquisition was like, why did you do this? Why did you paint this hot woman? Right. Why'd you paint this smoking babe, Goya? Well, how does this we, make you we've feel? We've examined this. <laughs> yeah, in deep and thorough in, in detail. Thorough detail, and we would like to know why did you smoke? Why did you smoke? Why did you paint this smoking hot babe? <laughs> All right. So his response uh, doesn't survive. We don't have any documentation mm. of it. The beauty of woman is part of the beauty of creation. In any case, I did not paint it for yokels to gape at. But it seems that the Inquisition accepted that. He had just been following the example of like previous masters, right? Like Titian mm-hmm. and Velasquez. Mm-hmm. They they actually were part of this collection as well mm-hmm. that Goya was among. And okay. they had also painted racy nudes and no one, including people in the church, had a problem with it. So okay. he's like, what's the big deal? Yeah. What's um, the deal? <laughs> yeah. He was threatened, but he was not charged. Okay. So I believe they said something to the effect of like, we should charge you, but you're fucking Goya. I'm Goya, bitch. I'm the only- yeah, I'm, no, I'm not even no, kidding. I is, think that is what they said he, to a degree. I mean, it was obviously not like how I said it. But. Well, but he is a status, right? He is a <laughs> yeah. like he's an upper royal court painter. He's not no one. He was the most prestigious painter in Spain at this time. So the impact of both the Majo's attitude and dress, as well as Goya's record of them, continues to live on in Spain. Today, today, let's dive into some modern interpretations. Like we have alluded to throughout this entire episode, in the 1950s, Ava Gardner, like an old <laughs> Hollywood star, she she was the star in The Naked Maha. Sometimes, sometimes your paintings frighten me. She wore all sorts of beautiful Maha costumes. In fact, I think the most accurate part of this entire movie were, were, the, costumes were the costumes and the right. sets, possibly. Yeah. Also in the 1950s, Pablo Picasso wanted to paint a duchess just as Goya had allegedly painted a nude mm. and clothed Maha. Do you think he had just also watched The Naked Maha? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. It may, maybe hadn't come out yet. Right. Um, but Cayetana, the 18th duchess okay. from the Mickey Mouse painting earlier, yeah. she actually turned down Picasso. Oh. Um, he had asked her to pose and she was like, No. Okay. She wanted to preserve her monarch status because, after all, this was in the middle of the Franco regime. Okay. And Picasso was aligned with communists. Okay. All right. So yeah. it's like the opposite of... And he was an asshole. And he was a... Yes. <laughs> Understatement. Um. So, in fact, around this time, she had exhibited some Picasso works in a private show and there were right-wing protests outside. Mm. And this led to her reputation as a lefty, but she... Definitely wasn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was definitely uh, an oligarch. (laughs) See. (laughs) Some other modern interpretations. We have Rosalia, the... Mm, Of Diet Coke fame. Of Diet Coke fame, yes. If you know. Not a good one. Diet Coke. Just going to say, I tried it. Not a good one. Liquid Skittles. I will say that. Disgusting. Fizzy liquid Skittles. dumped it on the concrete. Don't say that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So in 2018, Rosalia had a uh, video Mm. called uh, Dimi Nombre in which she's, you know, she's dancing her flamenco thing. And then Mm. she ends up posing like the clothed Maha. It's a it's a beautiful video. It's a beautiful set. Definitely worth watching. That's another one. 
And in 2022, just recently, the Just Stop oil protesters glued their monos to mm. the clothed and nude versions of the Maha in the okay. Prado. Yes. And then this year, a luxury French brand Dior, their resort collection for 2023, was very inspired by the 18th Duchess of Alba. Part of the the latest in a long line of designers who have riffed off the ma- Maho and Mahas. Okay? okay. There was also Jean-Paul Gaultier in 2009. But this line, it mixes some feminine and masculine, but also androgynous looks like mm. ruffled skirts and bolero jackets and lots of lace. It's very cool. It's gorgeous. I love these. Except for the prints. I don't, I don't, like, I don't like words. You don't like the Fuego print on no. this dress? <laughs> The rest of it is really rad. I really like no, this. I agree. Yeah. It's like Fuego, really? Okay. Yeah. That continues it? on. That's all I have. Otherwise, we, got we could today? be here all day. We could yeah, be here we all could day. keep going. But yeah, thank you for your support, uh, patrons. We mm-hmm. give you a internet through the wires hug. Through the... Through the... The wires. <laughs> we couldn't do this without you. Uh, <laughs> so I hope this tides you over until part two of Goya. Yep. Make sure you head on over to YouTube. Watch the video there. Mm-hmm. Uh, subscribe. Hit the notification bell. And if you, like I said, if you are interested in traveling with us, please, 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 please uh, fill out the survey at artslicepod.com slash travel. It only takes a few minutes to fill mm-hmm. it out. And uh, we can start planning out some trips that you could potentially come with us on. Yay! Is that it? Yeah. All right. Good, goodbye. Adios. Good, adios. Adios.